Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. We are for you. We believe in your process. Everyone is on a journey to understand who God is, our own identity at its core, the intricacies of relationship with one another, and our own place in this world. We believe in relationships. We believe in the power of community, in face-to-face connections, in learning from others, in knowing others and being known, that together we can do what cannot be done alone. We believe in stories. We bring together people from diverse backgrounds and spiritual beginnings, confident that together we can inspire one another towards a positive engagement in this world. We experiment. We try new things. We fail, all along the way writing new stories of hope and love and justice. We are dreamers, artists, activists, and faithful friends who will not give up on who Jesus has called us to be and do together. We believe you have a part to play in this story. You'll never walk alone. God, thank you for gathering us here together today in this space and at this time, that we may search after you, that we may experience you anew, that we may find the purpose of our lives, and that we will do this together as a people, as a church as a family who seek after you. Father, may your son guide us, may your spirit direct us and push us and prod us this morning. It's in your son's name that we pray these things. Amen. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to United. My name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is fantastic to start this new year off together. And as we get started, I just wanted to say thank you. I want to say thank you for uh, you, for all of you that have sent texts and called and emails and notes to us, uh, we, we've had a pretty difficult week, uh, our family has, and we have some really difficult weeks ahead in the life of our family and what that looks like for us. And your texts and your offers of help, your prayers, your... Uh, just how you have dedicated family customs and prayers to us in the midst of it all has been extremely unbelievable and uh, quite remarkable. And so we, Tracy and I, wanted to simply say thank you at the outset and that we appreciate you. We appreciate this community and what it is that you have done and continue to do uh, for us. You see, I believe that we are onto something really special here as a church. We're not even two years old. We're, we're coming up on that two-year anniversary in April, but the, the hard-fought battles that we have done here as a church together, that we're actually onto something really, really special as a church. Uh, one year ago, we launched this new tagline, this new idea of you'll never walk alone. This idea of us as a community coming together, banding together in unity, not only together, but making sure that no one has to walk this life alone. 
that you don't have to do this Christian faith thing in isolation. That you don't have to do it off in a corner in a monastery or in a, in a hermitage somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. One year ago, we started living into this. One year ago, we started failing into this. We've had our bumps and our bruises along the way where we, we've made our missteps and we haven't quite pulled it all together, but we've also had some really beautiful stories of success, of, of walking together with people, with one another, holding each other up in some of the most difficult and trying circumstances and times of life. We believe that this is an extremely difficult promise to make. And yet time and time and time again, we are making that count. We are making that happen. And when we fail, we ask one another for grace. We ask one another for, for a little bit of mercy. And we try better the next time. You'll never walk alone. This is actually a part of our manifesto where we say this. We believe in relationships. That we believe in the power of community, in face-to-face -face connections, in learning from others, in knowing others, and being known. That together we can do what cannot be done alone. Our manifesto is right there on the home page of our website. The thing that we are striving for, the way in which we are attempting to define what it means to never walk alone. You just go to unitedchurch.love and you scroll down just below the picture and there it is. In all of its glory, in the things that we are attempting to make happen. And how we define what it means to never walk alone. You see, I really believe that we are on to something here as a church, that we are on to something here as a community. I've been a pastor now for over 20 years, and in over 20 years of pastoral ministry in churches that span at least half of the country, in, in urban areas and rural areas, in suburban areas and small towns, in medium-sized towns, in over 20 years of ministry, I have never encountered what it is that we have here. The depth of relationship, the depth of community that we are building here, I have never experienced that before. In fact, I've, I've attempted it, I've attempted to try it, but over and over and over and over again, I've been told that it's just impossible. It's just not possible to experience that. Not just amongst the community itself, but as a pastor. That a pastor can never truly understand the depth of relationship that everyone in the community and the rest of the community experiences. That it's actually impossible because of the role and the position and the, the, the influence and all of those sorts of things that a pastor holds. That, that a pastor is shoved up on top of this pedestal. And that up there on that pedestal is this sort of unreachable, untenable place. And that up there, everyone else can have their relationships, but you can never quite experience that. The way in which you have cared for us and our family over the past week, in the, the wake of devastating news about Tracy's father, in the wake of a really, really difficult weekend 
in, in dealing with those, th those health complications and, and how that worked out. The way in which you rallied around us, I've never experienced that before. You see, I really believe that we're on to something where a pastor is not up here but is here with all of us. And that is what the mark of a true community is towards this flat level of relationship where each and everyone cares for one another and no one is exempt. No one is left out of that equation. Every single person is together in that space. And when others told me that this sort of thing was impossible, I believed them. And I lived in that way. I lived out that sort of understanding of the world, understanding of the church. And you all have surprised me. You've taken that idea and you flipped it and you've said, no, we don't think that's really true. In fact, this whole idea of it being impossible isn't just what others have told me and what I had been led to believe, but just this month in the Atlantic, there was an article called Retreat Christian Soldiers, an article that detailed how there are people that really want to believe this is possible, this idea that you'll never walk alone, but they didn't think that they could actually do it in community, in a neighborhood like this, in a city like this, in a place like this. And so they created their own small town called St. Mary's in the middle of Kansas. And they created this rhythm and rule and order of life that in order to be a part of that town, it's the only thing that you can do is to live out this thing. They didn't think that it could be done in other parts of the country, in other parts of the world. And so they retreated into that space there have been books written about this sort of idea that, that the church cannot actually exist in this culture and in this society and in this world in which we inhabit, but in fact have to be separated and pushed aside and hermitages and mon mon monastic orders have to be created in order for this. This is something that we have seen take place over the course of centuries as a church, that this is only possible in a vacuum. But here's the thing. It's not impossible. We are doing it. We're making it happen right here in this place, in this space, in this neighborhood. And so when we say you'll never walk alone, we really, really mean it. It's really, really, really becoming possible. So when we say you'll never walk alone, we mean it, baggage and all. When we say you'll never walk alone, all of your hurts, all of your pain, all of your trauma, and all of the beauty and celebrations and joy, everything that you are experiencing, we mean it. You'll never walk alone. But it's a really, really big promise. And it's something that we have to continue to fight for, something that we have to continue to step into over and over and over again. We believe in the power of Christian community. We believe in the power of relationships that together we can do what cannot be done alone, and that together we must do what cannot be done alone. 
And don't we need this more now, today, than ever before? With rumors of wars and a perpetual war that has not ended. With the ideas of hate crimes that are infiltrating on our city. In fact, just a few weeks ago, there was a giant swastika spray-painted on the Queen Anne Food Bank. Over and over and over, as hate crimes continue to rise, not just around our nation, but within our city, within our neighborhood, we need this concept and this idea, this belief, this dogged determination to do this life together now more than ever. With climate change wreaking havoc in this world with more than half of Australia on fire due to heat. And it, we need this idea of coming together to believe that we can do more together than we ever can apart. That Christian community can make a difference in this world as well as in our own individual lives. We are experiencing... We are experiencing a political and spiritual turmoil unlike anything I have ever experienced in my life. In over 40 years of life, this moment, this day, this space in which we are living in is more fraught than ever before. So happy new year. <laughs> happy new decade. Isaiah chapter 60 is our text for today. Isaiah chapter 60 is a really beautiful part of text, and it's how we landed on this as the text for the day was it's a part of the lectionary. We looked at this back in November, and surprisingly, it's really fitting for today. But Isaiah chapter 60 is a part within the book of Isaiah called the Book of Consolation. Jewish rabbis have kind of divided out the book of Isaiah to say, like, what is this? What does this mean? How does this function in our lives? And they said that this part of Isaiah is actually called the book of consolation, the book of comfort. And for ages, this part of scripture has been utilized to comfort and to encourage and to give hope to people in the midst of spiritual and political turmoil in the midst of extremely difficult life situations and circumstances. You see, Isaiah was writing at a very similar time to what we are experiencing today. He was writing at a similar time of political and spiritual turmoil. And in fact, he described the nation of Israel as this in the midst of it. That Israel at this point in time was a diseased body. That the nation of Israel at that time was a harlot. That the nation was this useless vineyard. That this nation was a, was a bulging wall that was about to fall. That this nation was like a woman in distress. These are the ways in which he compared the, the spiritual and political climate of that day to what he was writing. They were experiencing this massive international upheaval. 
The kings at the time were continually, continually like degrading not only their morals, but they were degrading the way in which the nation lived and the way in which they communicated with one another. And that as they continued to do this, the world continued to spiral out of control all around them as rumors of wars continued to build and build and build all around them. The nation was descending into chaos, and at the end of Isaiah, they find themselves captured and in Babylonian captivity. At the end of all of it, at the end of this descending spiral staircase of turmoil, of spiritual and political turmoil, they found themselves captured in captivity, in oppressed and slaves in another land. In the midst of all of this, Isaiah continued to talk about the leaders in the nation, saying that they were these people that were just seeking after their own gain that they were only looking to their own interests, that all of the spiritual and political leaders of the day were only looking out for themselves, that they were actually these blind spiritual leaders that, were only care, that only cared about greed and manipulation, of how they could manipulate the populace to do what it was that they wanted so that they could gain more for themselves. As these leaders continue to build stockpiles and stockpiles and stockpiles of, of power and of influence and things just for themselves. In fact, at this point in time, they started sacrificing children to false gods. Uh, the god Molech was the one that was running rampant through the nation. And they would build these giant bronze sculptures to this god, Molech. It, it looked like a giant bull with these horns, and they had these seven drawers within it. In one drawer, they would put flour that they would sacrifice to Molech. In another one, they would put a calf. In another one, they would put a ewe. And in another one, they would put, uh, I, I can't remember. They, they started putting all of these things in these seven drawers. And the last drawer was actually the hands of Molech, to which they would put a baby or a child into the hands and then light it all on fire. This was the type of idol worship. This was the type of spiritual and political turmoil that was going on in the nation of Israel at this time. And in the midst of this book of consolation, Isaiah writes this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. This word darkness is a really fascinating word. It's actually the word hoshech, which is Hebrew, and it's actually, that's what it looks like. I love how Hebrew class was the worst for me, because, man, that was tough. Anyhow, it's, it's this word, and this exact word appears in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, which reads this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, darkness 
was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This word darkness is the exact same as in Isaiah chapter 60. And that word connotates chaos. This darkness was something so thick that you could not see beyond it. It was before light had been created in the world. It was just chaos. Everything was not in its proper place. Nothing was in its proper order. Everything was falling apart around it. It was absolute chaos, turmoil, and upheaval. But the one thing that is present in Genesis chapter 1 that is also present in Isaiah 60, God. In the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the turmoil, you see God present in the midst of it all. And not only that, but the Spirit of God present there around, beginning the work of pulling it all back together of taking the, cra the, the crazy chaos of life, of taking the upheaval of our stories, of taking the turmoil of our day-to-day -day experiences and beginning the work of pulling it all back together. Arise, shine. Let the Lord God be present in your space before the light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. No matter how darkness covers the earth, no matter how thick the darkness is over us and over our lives, the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear. We will see God. We will see the light of God in this place, in this space, and at this time. God is present. You see, God is not only present, but he is winning the battle. The light is actually winning. We just stepped out of Christmas, this season of lights where not only Christianity celebrates these festival of lights, but it's Hanukkah, it's Diwali, it's you name the religion and every single one is at this moment is beginning to celebrate that the light has come into the world, that light is present, that light is here. Christianity just names the light. We say what that light is and what it's about. I had a fascinating conversation with Elliot talking about Diwali. She came home one day from school and they, they had been celebrating and, and talking about all of the different religions that celebrate light throughout the course of December. She came home and said, Papa, can you explain to me what Diwali is? I said, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I got this. Wikipedia. Let's just look. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know exactly what this is. <laughs> and we started to talk and have a conversation about the light. Diwali celebrates that light has overcome the darkness, that good has overcome evil. Sounds really familiar. Sounds really familiar to Jesus. Sounds really familiar to what it is that we talk about in Christianity. Talks really familiar. We just name it. We just name the light. In John chapter 1, this is how we know the light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. That's a callback to Genesis, just in case you're wondering. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light that we have been talking about and celebrating throughout the month of December, that light is Jesus, that overcomes the darkness and the chaos and the turmoil that we have experienced in our lives, that it is present here. And the light and the Christmas story is just a reminder that you will never walk alone. That in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the turmoil, God is present. And Jesus is the light that is shining forth into the world around us to illuminate the world, to show that good has overcome evil, to show that light is winning, to show that God is love and is present here, all around us, all the time. Henry Nouwen is one of my spiritual fathers in a lot of respect. He talks about this in terms of Christian community and what it means and what it means that you'll never walk alone. Christian community is the place where we keep the flame of hope alive among us and take it seriously so that it can grow and be stronger in us. In community, we learn what it means to confess our weakness and to forgive each other. In community, we learn true humility. Without community, we become individualistic and egocentric. Therefore, spiritual formation always includes formation to life in community. We cannot do this thing alone. The only way in which the flame of hope is kept alive is when we do it together. When we come together in this world and in this space to show difference, to be a light, not just for one another, but for the world around us, that they may see the goodness of Jesus, that they may see the goodness of God alive in this place. Frederick Buechner put it this way, Here's the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I, God, I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you. I love you. Here's this world. Where wars and rumors of wars are running rampant. Here is the world where half of Australia is on fire. Here is the world where pain and trauma and turmoil is entering into our lives. Here is the world. Terrible things will happen. But so will beautiful things. So will beautiful things. This week, when we gathered together to do our yearly examine, we spent some time reflecting upon the year past. And as I sat there scrolling through pictures from the year past, 
I was reminded of all of these beautiful moments that had been crowded out, that had been crowded out in my mind of some of the pain and the turmoil and the difficulties that was just really pressing in and pressing down. Here is the world, beautiful, and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Just like Isaiah said, I am with you. Just like Genesis 1 says, I am with you. Just like John 1 says, I am with you. You will never walk alone. Dallas Willard in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, said that God is totally competent love. Totally competent love. Because the love that you and I share and the love that we experience from one another, the love that we share in marriage, the love that we share with family, the love that we share with friends, it's not the most competent, is it? We attempt to love one another, but in the midst of it, we fail a lot. We say the wrong things. Does this make me look fat? Right? Like we say the wrong things in the midst of that space, but God, on the other hand, is totally competent love. It is a love that shows us who He is. It is a love that is continually present. And it is a love that calls us to reflect that love into the life of others. A love that says you will never walk alone because God is present and here. But also that we as a community, as a church, as a people will also walk in that way. And not allow people to walk alone. You and I are the light. You and I are the light for one another. You and I are the light for the world around us. You and I carry the light of Jesus into the darkness, illuminating the world and showing them that God is present, that all of the chaos that surrounds us is coming together, is coming and being pulled together and being made right once again. This is what it means to never walk alone. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for how you are working in and through us as a church and as a community. Father, we pray and we ask that this coming year, that it gets stronger, that we as a church come together in stronger ways, that this idea of you never walk alone steps into a new phase of being, a new phase of understanding. And that it's not just about community. It's not just about friendship. It's not just about relationship and being, uh, not being lonely. But that it's about you being front and center in our lives, in our relationships, and in this world. Father, may you guide us and direct us and push us forward. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. 
If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.